0: Welcome along to another episode of the Formation Podcast. We're back for episode 21, so it's our fifth episode of season number two. And we're just going to keep rolling with these, as you know. Um, Sorry, I don't know why I always speak Mm -hmm. so slowly in the intro. It's really (laughs) unnecessary, but let's get on with it. Um, one, One member of the team had... Not a particularly nice night last night, but until but before we get on to that, um, Sam, I, I don't think you were affected too much by last night's events. Were you Tuesday? Uh,
1: I did, I did feel quite bad for our resident Southampton fan. I'm I'm doing okay, George.
0: And uh, Devon, your team got a positive result, Jeff. Your Wednesday, so are you in fairly good spirits as we record this?
2: Uh, very good, yeah. The confidence is back a little bit. But, yeah, happy. Jordan Rhodes got on the score sheet. The world is ending. <laughs> <laughs> Patterson's doing it for the 50-year-old. So, let's let's go. Yeah, so
0: if you haven't already worked it out, the the person I'm talking about is uh, Mr. Harry Tizard. Um, his team, Southampton, as Sam said, were beaten 9 nil by Man United last night, um, which is obviously difficult to take for anyone associated with Southampton, presumably after the Leicester result last year. Um, it's been hit on them again. But Harry is here. He's, uh, he's still smiling. Harry, you've, you've slept on the result. We, we were recording this about 12 hours after full-time at Old Trafford. How, Harry, how are you feeling at this point?
3: To be fair, yesterday it was quite mellow because when you're getting battered, you know you're going to lose. Whereas against like Aston Villa, when it's a tight game, and right at the end, I thought maybe we're going to get something out of this if not for the offside because of his sleeve or something ridiculous. I was all right now looking back at it, you know, it's, it's happened once before, it's probably going to happen next, it's going to just be an annual thing of losing 9 0. So we we'll just, we'll just have to get used to it. But Ralph, he's lost 9 0 twice, and he's, he's still the best manager we could possibly get. So Oliver Woods and Upwards uh, to Newcastle on Saturday.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say there that you you knew the game was uh, was going to end in defeat um, because you had that red card early on. Alexandra Jankiewicz is the pronunciation I'm going for <laughs> on his on his full Southampton debut was sent off less than two minutes in for a horrendous tackle. If you haven't seen it, um, maybe don't watch it if you're of a nervous <laughs> disposition. <laughs> a <laughs> horrible challenge <laughs> but Harry um, what do you think what was he playing at he's on his debut surely you just want to settle yourself in nicely instead he lunges into this horrendous challenge
3: I mean, you'd have thought so, you know, all the week, I say all week, we had a game on Saturday, and that was Tuesday, but three days, you're building up to this game, where I was thinking, oh, I'll put this guy there, I'll put this guy there, just try and get the, the best result possible, you're going to do that, you're going to do this, and then 79 seconds in, it all goes out the window, because Jankovic on his debut, like you said, full debut, after having the transfer request two days before, for not getting chances, gets a straight red, and... Uh, I wouldn't say ends his Southampton career because he's still a very hot prospect. You know, he's he's a very, very good player on his day. He's a bit of a hothead, you know. I think he's got five yellows and two reds in his last seven starts for under-23s and now us as well. So, ridiculous challenge above the knee, but he'll learn from it, you know. He'll he'll definitely learn from it. If it's for us or for someone else, he'll know probably not to do that again.
0: Yeah, um, I have to say, I, I felt really bad for Harry last night and for anyone associated with Saints um particularly Ralph Hasenhutl when it cut to him on the sideline when the ninth goal went and he just looked like he wanted to cry and who could blame him um but we've seen it before Sam we've seen it before for the last nine nil Ralph was in charge for that he was able to revitalize this Saints team um can he do it again that's the challenge that presents it to him now do you think he can do it
1: it'll definitely it'll definitely be tough I mean nine 0 as a shock result and it's happened to the Saints twice now. But like <clears throat> I think I think you only had 12 first teamers fit for that United game, so it was always going to be a tough ask and just completely rotten luck in the game with the with the Bednarek sending off especially. So it'll definitely be tough, but like I say, this has happened to them before and they've bounced back from it before a favourable fixture against Newcastle coming up next, who have shown their fragilities this season. So I have faith in Ralph to turn this around again.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned there, um, VAR certainly didn't help them last night. Um, I think had the decisions gone differently, which they perhaps should have, then it would never have been 9-0, that Bednarek sending off. And Saints have had no joy with VAR in the last week. They got dealt a difficult hand against Villa in the last game and again last night. Um, And I'm... I've made myself clear on previous podcasts, and I also have privately as well. I am a big hater of VAR. I think it's ruining the game. Um, Devon, would you agree?
2: Um, as we've said numerous times, it, it does have its place in football. Um, coming up to a year of the formation of the formation when we were talking on the radio, um, and we, I think we discussed this issue numerous times it's it's every game uh on sky uh there always seems to be a var problem and i do think i just i think the only thing that's annoying me is that I, I like the human element of referees making decisions and i think with var there i i always think that the final decision should come from the referee so that that consistent human error is portrayed all the way through instead of a the only influence from Stockley Park should be um, should be telling the referee to go and have a look at it, and then the referee makes a decision. But we've talked about this numerous times. Is it ruining the game? <clears throat> yes. Maybe this is a good opportunity now to n- not invest more, but just learn more from VAR with no fans being there. Because even though, like we- we've mentioned numerous times, it takes the supporters' excitement out of it because they're celebrating. But can they celebrate? maybe this is the time to learn before supporters are implemented back into grounds, but I think it's always going to be one of them things. Um, I think Sam's mentioned it on the podcast before about another quote from someone saying that if if it wasn't there, people would be asking for it, and now it's there, people wanting to get rid, and it'll be that constant trend anyway.
0: Yeah, I think it seems unlikely that they completely bin it off, um, and I'm not necessarily saying that that needs to happen. But whenever I watch championship games, whenever I watch Norwich, I actually find it refreshing in a way that any decision, it goes with the decision that was first given. There's no question about it. And I think after a season in the Prem last year when you were always questioning that, I think it's good to have that decisiveness. How they change it now, who knows? But um, hopefully something will happen which will make everyone feel a little bit more Positive about it. Um, we don't want to speak too much about that Southampton defeat because I think per, I think Southampton fans have probably heard enough about it. Um, so we're going to move on, and we want to have a little chat very briefly just about deadline day because the January window did slam shut as uh, many on Sky like to call it. It didn't close; it slammed shut earlier this week.
2: It's going to get after you now.
0: Football players. <laughs> if you're listening, Adam, um, we'd love to have you on. I know. I always, I, would, I would say that, I would say that when, whenever that someone,
2: he's one of the hundred. That watch.
0: <laughs> whenever someone of note is mentioned, I'll say that. But um, it should be said really, the day and the January window itself wasn't particularly exciting. Um, but we still think it's worth discussing. Um, first of all, I think. Liverpool were one of the big topics of Deadline Day itself. They brought in two defenders, Ben Davies from Preston and Ozan Kabak from Schalke of the Bundesliga. Um, Schalke are really struggling in the Bundesliga. They're the bottom club. I think they've won one league game this season. Is that right? One or two, definitely. No more than that. Um, And Ben Davies from Preston North End a mid-table championship side. Um, Just me describing where these players have come from, obviously not of a very high profile. So do those deals, Sam, do they scream last-minute panic to you from Liverpool?
1: Yeah, well, purely because they were done on the last day in the final hours, it does sort of have that feeling to it. And like you say, they're not the highest calibre of defenders in the world. But you know, Jürgen Klopp, he's one of the best, one of the best managers in the world in developing players. When he took over this Liverpool team, it was full of players who are nowhere near the title winning level, but he's got a lot of them, a lot of them to that level, like Robertson, Milner, Henderson, players like that. So it's, you know, these signings are are probably a quick fix for Liverpool because they are in desperate need of proper full-time centre-backs. They don't really want to be playing Henderson at, at centre-back anymore because it takes away from what you can do in midfield. So, I think they're just there to to do a job for the rest of the season until the likes of Matt Van Dijk, Gomez come back into the side.
0: Devon, what are your thoughts? Can you see someone like Davies slotting in nicely or is it going to be a tough one to start off with as he readjusts?
2: Um, I don't know. It feels like... Uh... Feels like Stephen Corker's backer and they're going to play him at, at striker instead. Um <clears throat> No, I think I can see where Liverpool were thinking in the fact that they probably want to persist with Virgil van Dijk and uh, Joe Gomez when he's back and Matip. So, they're probably looking for that fourth and fifth reserve. However, um I still think they could have, won either done this much earlier or two. Invested maybe into a part a lot more either a long term partner or someone to complement Virgil Van Dijk maybe I'm, I'm going to butcher his name now Dea Upakamano. and um there was another link uh, there that could maybe take Liverpool forward invest now and over time that that partnership will come and you know they could overtake uh, Virgil van Dijk's stature at the minute and then someone else could partner him in the future, maybe have that cycle now rather than waiting a couple of years but um, it is strange but I think Kabak's probably the one that um, from when we talked about him last time, he was quite an aggressive uh, centre-half and um, picked up a lot of bookings for Schalke but he was the only bright spark in a a demoralising team I think and Obviously, they've replaced him with uh, Mustafa, so it shows that Schalke are on the down. But maybe bringing in someone that experienced to overtake someone that's good of good age and and promising uh, probably shows why Liverpool went after him. Uh, that move I can see why, but the Davis one's a little bit strange.
0: Harry, before the uh, disappointment of Tuesday night, you were involved in. Well, I'm, I was going to say one of the bigger deals. There weren't really any big deals, but one of the most talked about deals um, on deadline day, towards the end of it, was uh, Minamino. I, I had, I haven't actually got his first name written down. Instacumi.
1: There
0: you go. We'll go with that. Minamino <laughs> um, has left Liverpool on loan to move to Southampton. Um, we already mentioned how. Your squad is looking pretty thin due to injuries and suspensions, whatever, at the moment. Um, Harry, were you fairly happy with that piece of business? What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good deal for the club. Only £500,000 loan fee and it'll go down in price um, if he plays a lot of games. I think Liverpool have structured it. So if he doesn't play at all, you pay the big fee of £500,000. The more you play, it, play him, sorry. The more it goes down in price. And um he knows the he knows the system that Housinger likes to play because it's the sort of RB way, if if that's how he likes to put it. And he played at Salisbury for a few years, so he, he knows the structure already. And um it's good. It's good. I'm glad that he's joined. wingers, I don't really trust the fitness of Resmond, Gineppo, uh, Armstrong as well. So I'm glad we got him in. But I think fallbacks was the main issue. You know, we've loaned two out, well, didn't get any in, and the whole point of the transfer window for us anyway was to get players in the door. We can we can only get one at really the eleventh hour or after the eleventh hour, really, if you if you think about it. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a good deal for the club, um, just to get someone else through the door and, sh- and strengthen that squad because at the moment we've got ten or eleven first team players available, so we're going to need all we can all we can get against Newcastle.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how Minamino gets on by getting some regular minutes, because I think since he joined Liverpool last year, he's had it pretty tough, what with the pandemic and everything else, but purely because of the players who are in front of him too. So um, that'll be one to watch out for, for sure. Um, Is there a club or, I don't know, a manager who you're particularly impressed with, with the business that they got done in this window in particular? Maybe... I don't know, Derby County. Does anyone want to suggest one that comes to mind?
3: Um, and for me, I think Arsenal. I think Only is a really good transfer in, but I'm not really thinking about the players they got in. they got a lot of players out that are either young players that need minutes, say Joe Willock, say maitland Niles. even if they don't necessarily have a future there, at least it builds their um, their stature for their prize tag in the future. And also getting Deadwood out, like Socrates. I know they didn't sell him, but he's, he's off the wage book. Mustafi's off the wage rate; he got his contract terminated. And there's a few others that I can't, I can't really remember that I think they've done well to sort of shape their squad, thin it out a bit, get some wages out. So maybe by the next transfer they window, they'll have more funds to spend for players that they're inevitably going to need if they want to get Champions League or, or top six finished next season, because it doesn't look that likely this year.
1: Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to disagree with Arsenal. Actually, that's a pretty good pick. I think it's been. Like we mentioned already, it's been a very, very quiet window. Only three permanent deals, completed 24 transfers in total by Premier League clubs. So it's clear that this January window is, we've seen the effects of COVID really on, the, on a financial basis. Teams don't want to go for that big outlay in terms of a huge player they want to sign in January. It's, its It tends to be a, a quieter window than the summer one anyway. But I think we've seen that, the big clubs don't want to take that risk. They can't. They can't afford to take that risk this year, with the effect that COVID has
2: had. I think one shout for maybe the outside shout that no one's really mentioned, merely because the Championship mid-table. But I think Preston are one of the winners of the transfer window, just because they got a little bit of money from a player that they were going to lose anyway with um, Ben Davis. Um, Going out, obviously, had signed a pre-contract with Celtic. They've got five hundred grand, rising up to two million, if you know, likes so if he makes the the England squad, which we all, we all can foresee. But in terms of players coming in, they've got um, they've signed a lot of quite young players. Um, probably the remit of uh, Preston, they've replaced Ben Pearson, who was going to be a big miss with Ben Whiteman, I who was promising from League One. Um, they've covered a lot of areas that they needed, and in terms of the centre half, getting rid of Davis and bringing in uh, Liam Lindsay on loan, as well as Seth van der Berg from Liverpool, which makes me wonder why Liverpool didn't have any centre halves playing when they've just loaned a centre half out. <laughs> that is that's the most puzzling one. Uh, we've seen it a couple of times where Jurgen Klopp's been quite hypocritical, asking for five substitutions then using one is. It's that balance, but I think they've overall they've got they've shifted quite a lot of deadwood and they brought in some decent players on loan.
0: Mm-hmm. And I just want to say before moving on, no complaints for me either on Arsenal's business. Um, thank you for keeping your hands off the uh, the next <laughs> Messi. But, um, more on more on Messi. That book to come. Is rough. <laughs> 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 more on Messi to come a bit later on. Um, actually before we move on I just wanted to touch on deadline day as it's progressed over the years kind of the brand of deadline day because five or ten years ago I think it would be perceived as one of the more entertaining days for a football fan I know personally when I was at um, high school I would sort of relish those days I think one one January I had a day off school for snow and it was deadline day and that was the best thing ever um but maybe now the attempt well not maybe the attention that surrounds it now is much less um and do you think that sky sports are responsible for that decline ha- have they overdone it in recent years Sam?
1: yeah they definitely definitely overdramatized dramatizing that was that was sort of the the point that I was going to make—it's it's definitely lost its shine. With not having the the reporters at the train, well, they sort of have them still, but not like all the reporters at the training grounds, like the stadium, surrounded by excited fans waiting for these big transfers to come in. And also, they they brought back. There was a couple of times where they brought the the deadline forward to like six pm on a couple of occasions, which sort of got rid of got rid of the excitement in some aspects. So. It's sort of like Sky Sports' product, these deadline days. They're a big selling point, they're big way to attract viewers anyway for Sky Sports news and it's sort of, it has lost its shine over the years.
2: I think it's been over-commercialised. Like, it's kind of followed the same path as Soccer AM, in a way. Like, Soccer AM and deadline day were kind of up there with the TV on Sky Sports and both of them have, like, very quickly uh deteriorated in terms of that and i think for me I've, I've mentioned it a few times but turning on sky i I still get quite excited on deadline day because anything can happen sometimes last minute panic deals we've we've talked about peter road and winger before stuff like that happens but you just turned on on uh on choose No, when tuesday or when when uh, monday morning sorry and the guests that they had lined up were, they had an impressionist on when I first turned on, they were having rudimental on. They had just, it just was like a waste of day. Um, a
1: day. A bit of a gimmick, isn't it, really, at this point?
2: Yeah, and I think it kind of fell when they were, you know, with the whole Jim White, yellow tie, and getting everywhere, and it's kind of just, it's its kind of rude. It's uh, it, it's, its kind of had its day now, Um
0: yeah, I agree with you. I think the days when the days when it was simply a reporter at every Premier League ground and it was just going from reporter to reporter rather than... I think now it's probably too much about the people in the studio and they try and pile people in there. Um, and like you say, it's just unnecessary to get impressionists in and everything else. But um, I don't know, maybe maybe it'll have its day again at some point. We never know. Um, we're going to move on now. Last week we touched on the championship fight for promotion. This week we're going to talk about the other end of the table, um, that fight for survival at the other end. Um, Devon will be preparing himself, but as we mentioned last, no, as we mentioned earlier on in the pod, Devon, when we introduced you, um, Sheffield Wednesday. They still find themselves in that bottom three at the moment. Um, But another win last night, which puts you not in a good position, but with a bit of promise about it. How do you think your chances are at this point?
2: Uh, I'm still not confident at all, just because I know how quickly things can turn. And when things go bad for Wednesday, they normally go... Very bad. And I don't know if that's just because of being a fan of bias. Sometimes when something little goes wrong, you're all like, oh, this is the end. This is the end of the world. But um the the most pleasing thing for me is that since we got rid of Pulis and Monk, is that when Neil Thompson's come in, we're playing a bit more adventurously, playing in triangles, we're pressing high, and we're at, we actually look a lot more threatening rather than resigning to right, we might lose this, but let's try and get a nil nil. Let's, let's damage limitation because as we've seen <clears throat> it's very tight there like there's an eight point gap between the bottom three and 13th which at this stage is still quite a, it's an immense like you can close that quite quickly if you go on a run and uh, the problem for Wednesday is that our runs kind of coincided with Derby's run with Forrest getting back on form and a few clubs are picking up points but you're looking at teams around you, you expect that the likes of Derby and Forest will kick on anyway, naturally. <clears throat> You'd expect Birmingham to finally turn around some form. Um and Rotherham have looked quite good. So it's 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 kind of being it's too early to say because I feel like it's gonna be a tight one like last year, but I, I still can't see us getting out of it.
0: Well, maybe maybe Jordan Rhodes now he's got that one goal against Bournemouth last night maybe can kick on and start to score for you, I certainly wouldn't have any problems with that Um, I should say as well um, Bournemouth have on the morning that we're recording this, sacked Jason Tindall, um, because I think they've now had four straight defeats in the Championship um, which isn't looking too great for them but hey Harry, they've got Shane Long there, so (laughs) (laughs) maybe he'll get firing, you never know, Um, but no, we are of course talking about the battle at the bottom and enough about Bournemouth. Um, and Devon mentioned a lot of the teams there Wednesday currently in 22nd and below them also in the drop zone are Rotherham on 23 points. who he mentioned, and Wickham on 16, um, Devon, you mentioned there, maybe Rotherham are a bit of a threat, but Wickham on 16, do you think, you know, everyone kind of expected at the start that they'd find it difficult, um, do you think they've got any chance of doing it or not?
2: <laughs> I don't think, I think they've,
1: won, they've won once in 15 Wiccan now. And it's 12 points 12 points from safety now. So
2: yeah. it
1: looks like they've. Ju- it's just maybe one step too soon, one step too far for them this season. Not quite got the quality or the experience for the championship. I'm, I know you asked Devin, so... I'm,
0: no, you're fine, Sam. Where is Sam? On. Carry on. It is looking, <laughs> it is looking pretty bleak. Devon seemed to just have no hope for them. And to be honest, <laughs> I don't blame you. Because, uh, like you say, their results are pretty shoddy. Um, another team, Devon mentioned Birmingham. Um, they're on 28 points from 27 games. Um, they only brought Itor Karanka in in the summer. And I think a lot of Birmingham fans were quite encouraged by that appointment given his previous with getting Middlesbrough up and not doing too badly with Nottingham Forest in the past. So Harry, does it surprise you that they've done so poorly given his previous record?
3: Not really. I think the Championship is is an unforgiving league and, you know, he can't train the players before he gets there. And if he's turned up and thought, you know this isn't this isn't right. It's going to take time. It's, everything's a project, especially the championship. You know, just get the first season done. I don't think he'll survive this season if they they do stay around that area. But if he does, let let him build a project. You know, he's got Jan Valery on loan. I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Birmingham, so I can't. I don't know what the other transfers they've got in, but I know they've got a Saints player who's a right back. So that's good to see. So I'm I'm hoping for their point of view. They'll they'll go off and build something. I, I like that
1: Sorry, I was just going to say they really need to pick up their home form, in Birmingham. They haven't won at home since the twenty eighth of October, Ooh. so that's you need to at that level, especially you need to make your home ground a fortress. I know it's difficult with no fans, as we have stressed many times, but you need you need to get points from your home games, and they're not doing it at the moment. They'll continue to slide if they don't.
2: The strange thing about that is that Coventry also play at the St Andrews, obviously losing their place at Rico. And they've had great home form this Oof, season. Yeah. So it's been, it's been yeah, strange, I but I mean, I'm contrary to that as well, Sam, because I think Birmingham shouldn't improve their home form and mm-hmm. until we they, are further up there. And then they can, they can turn it round once we're safe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, as for Derby and uh, Nottingham Forest as well, um, they probably both would have been hoping to be fighting it out at the top of the table towards the top after last year, you know, you think back to the end of last season, they both had hopes of the playoffs. Neither of them finished in there. Um, And now they're kind of in a bit of a scrap, but Devon mentioned there, they've found a bit of form of late Um, Rooney's done a pretty good job to be fair to him. I think there were some doubters of whether he was suitable as a manager. He's made a good start forest with Houghton. Sam, as we said, they're they're on a bit of a roll at the moment. Do you think they can now start to pull away?
1: Yeah, For- Forrest have signed so many players this season. I don't know the exact number, but it feels like they've got an entire new squad in over these two windows. But it looks like... Is that is that the total? I think,
2: I think they've got 15. 15.
1: So. There you go. <laughs> Starting 11 and a bench. But I think... <laughs> With the experience that and Hewton, that has got at this level, I think you can you can get them going now, and they've got a lot of quality in there. Glenn Murray, who they've brought in an experienced head up top. I think they need they need more goals, need more goals from Lyle Taylor as well. So it looks like they're getting going, and like you say, Rooney with this young Derby squad, a lot of enthusiasm there, a lot of fight in them. I think with you know players like Jason Knight in the middle, he's going to be a, a great player for Derby in the future, I'm sure. So it looks like. They are stuck, they're both starting to find their feet and they can push up the table. But no guarantees in the championship, of course.
0: Well, absolutely right. And I think looking at the table before we came on here, I think one of the things which should give Wednesday a little bit of hope is that anyone from kind of Coventry City in eighteenth place up to Luton in thirteenth could easily go on a bad run. And find themselves in a bit of bother, and that's why I think Wednesday need to keep churning results out just to see who yeah. falls into it. We all saw last year with Hull City when when they got to January and they were not too far off the playoffs. No one would have predicted that they would finish bottom of the league, and they plummeted, didn't they? Without Jared Bowen, um, so yeah. we I think know. it's
2: also it's also worth noting that without our points deduction as well. I feel like if we did stay up it'd be quite an effort after starting on minus twelve. Obviously that got halved, but with it without the points deduction we'd actually be seventeen from looking further out closer to mid table. And I think um just doing quick maths here, we we'd only need like four points to get up to twelve. So it's it's not the biggest of gaps, but it's just confidence. Like I think the big thing that's helping Wednesday at the minute is that fans are not in. There's quite a lot of fan unrest between the chairman, the board and the fans with how the treatment of the club's been at, the, at this past few seasons. So I think it's lucky that maybe the negativity surrounding the team in the ground is gone and it gives them less pressure on that front. But still, we've kind of been coasting for a little bit now. We just need to, if we carry on this fall, I mean, we've, we've won... Um, We've lost just two games in, game, uh, two games in eight two fixtures and two of them have been in the Cup uh, a winning against Exeter, and a loss against Everton. So, overall, I think there is a little bit of a turnaround. It's how sustainable it is because we've seen in the past, I mean, last season we were third at Christmas and we ended up finishing 16th. So, like, like you said, like with Hull, anything can happen. You can either go on a run, get yourself out there safe, done and dusted, or a couple of losses and everything's looking bleak again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the championship has always been to predict. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly always one to keep an eye on. Um, best of luck, Dev. I I certainly wouldn't mind if you stayed <laughs> up. Hillsborough's, Hillsborough's a nice ground to go to, although I am kind of hoping that we won't be in the same league as well, you that your like, only reason, George? I, I didn't need to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on then, um, I mentioned... Earlier, um, the next Messi, Emi Um, but we're going to talk about the the real Messi, Lionel Messi. Um, Pretty good. He had he had an interesting weekend. Um, the one just gone, he struck his six six hundred fiftieth. Barcelona goal against Athletic Bilbao in La Liga. Um, it was a brilliant free kick if you haven't seen it. I checked that out before coming on here. It really was a good one. Um, but something which perhaps overshadowed it was there was a leaking of his contract by a Spanish newspaper, El Mundo, they're called, um, and Barcelona are seeking legal action um, because. Presumably, you know, that that shouldn't really be happening. It's pretty rare that that happens, especially for such a high-profile player. Um, And this obviously adds to what has been a pretty messy year for Messi. Um, What with everything that went on last summer with reports that he wanted to leave. Well, not reports. He made it pretty clear that he wanted to leave. Um, So, Sam, he's, he's reached this landmark. We all know what he's achieved at Barcelona. We all know how good he is but do you think that last year could leave a little bit of a dampener on his legacy at the club
1: yeah it's it's teased every year whether Messi will eventually leave Barcelona he said that he wants to I think retire in Argentina eventually with an Argentinian club but especially last summer it definitely ramped up with the transfer request and he's he's only got six months left on his deal now so he can begin to discuss with other clubs the win against Bilbao took them up to second. For Barca, still ten points off of Real Madrid, so it's it's looking it's looking difficult for them to catch that La Liga title. So I I, I think there is a, a big chance that we will see him move on in the summer. Obviously, all the all the financial issues and the and the Bartomeu spat with the boardroom and with Messi, and just the, the amazing player that he is, record goal scorer for Barca, ten La Liga titles, four Champions League, six Bandors is one of the greatest to ever do it. So there'll be plenty of clubs vying for his, his signature in the summer.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it was in December. This was BBC. I found this. Messi said, I don't know what I'm going to do yet when he was asked about his future. So he's, he's clearly leaving it open for any interested clubs. I think because of his wage bill, which is you know, incredibly high, um, it's been said that maybe Manchester City and PSG are the main clubs who would maybe be linked purely because they're the only ones who could afford it. So, Harry, out of those two, which club do you think he's more likely to go to? Or is there another one that you think he might be tempted to join?
3: As much as I'd love to say Manchester City, I think the attraction of, of PSG will be will be too much to make him come to the Premier League, hey, it's, it's guaranteed league titles or almost guaranteed league titles at, at Paris Saint Germain. I'm not sure about their wage budget, but I imagine having Neymar there as well, who's apparently about to sign a new four-year deal. I've I've heard somewhere. So. I, th- I think PSG is most likely the place he's going to go. I think it's too early for the MLS just yet. Yeah? I think he'll, he'll go to one other big top team if he does lead. Personally, I'm not. I'm still not sure. I'm still on the fence whether he will. I don't think he will, but there's always there's always the chance <clears throat> that he will. But I think he's going to go for one more contract, head to the MLS for a few years, and then, like you say, go, go to Argentina to finish
1: it all off. Neymar or Pep, isn't it? yeah. Mm.
0: As you said there, Harriets. It's kind of hard to envisage it happening because I think all throughout while we've been watching football, he has been at Barcelona and has been their man. And um, obviously with all the financial stuff, if a deal was to go through, it would be a long process. But maybe it will happen. Devon, what are your your thoughts? Do you think Man City will interest him with
2: Pep there, of course? I think Man City have already interested him anyway, haven't they, for the last... What four years anyway? There's always been that link to follow Pep, whether that's been at, at Bayern or or at Manchester City. Um, I don't know. I think for my for everyone's childhood, I think we should let him stay at Barcelona and let him live this fairy tale <coughs> where he's still the best player in the world. And yeah, <laughs> I, just, I, I I I don't know. I I I think one thing that aff- me, it, I'm afraid of is that if he does leave and just doesn't live up to his legacy that might knock it but I don't know I'm just strictly opinion.
0: Well there is a chance that um, Man City by the time Messi could join they might have a fifth Premier League title to their name you'd have to say at the moment they're in pole position um, because they've been on an excellent run Um, but this Sunday they face a pretty big test Um, And it could be a pivotal game in the title race. Um, Now, a couple of weeks ago, we did this with the Liverpool-Man United game. Um, We gave it a little preview. We're going to do the same here. This weekend is Liverpool against Man City. Um, Please, let's not have a nil-nil this time. Let's just (laughs) a a little there's a little bit more to the game. But um, before we get on to maybe a few score predictions, um, Sam, Liverpool... Um, they've got a fixture, as have Man City, which hasn't been played at the time recording before this game takes place. But do you think they need to win this game to keep themselves in the title race?
1: Uh, Yeah, for sure, I think. I mean, we've talked about how tight the title race has been this season, but it is is actually starting to thin out a little bit with, with who's actually real contenders in this. Obviously, depending on the games tonight, like you mentioned, if City were to beat Liverpool on Sunday, they'd be 10 points ahead of them. And Liverpool are in fourth, so it it is vital, really, that Liverpool, Liverpool win this game with the form that City are in. I mean, they're just in absolutely fantastic form. 12 successive victories, which is a club record. 20 clean sheets this season, five more than any other side in the top five European leagues, so it's going to be a tough game for them, and one that they need to win.
0: Yeah, you mentioned those uh, clean sheets. Ruben Diaz has been a Excellent FPL asset in my team. Uh, Top work from him. Um, But yeah, they've conceded a goal in only two of their last 12 league games. That is obviously speaking before the Burnley match, which takes place tonight, Wednesday nights, by this time this this goes out. It could be um, two in their last 13 league games. But Harry, do you think they can go to Anfield, a place where Liverpool have been, you know, Unstoppable in recent years. I know they lost to Burnley, but that was the first defeat in four years or whatever it was. Do you think City can go there and get another clean sheet? Can they keep the likes of Salamane out?
3: Well, Anfield, as much as like you said, they've only lost once in four years. It doesn't have the same scariness. You could say it's not a great word to use, but as it did two weeks ago, though, when no one could beat them. And now Burnley, who has one shot against Chelsea, were able to beat them at Anfield. It sort of gives that feeling of—I know they did a fantastic game plan—but it makes you feel like anyone can beat them there. And if Burnley can, Manchester City certainly can. But this is, like Sam said, this is a game Liverpool need to win. Especially after this, they have got Leicester, then Leipzig in the Champions League, then Everton after that. So not only that, they've got a tough run after this as well. So if they if they can get a win, they're definitely in the title race that um, they're in great form as well, you'd almost have to say. But, yeah, if they lose, it's, it's almost game over from, uh, from a Liverpool standpoint.
0: Yeah, and we've, uh, we've made no secret about Liverpool's um, injury problems at the back. We've already mentioned the players they've brought in. Matip is now confirmed he's out for the rest of the season, along with Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk. So, Devon Ben Davies... And uh, Kabak from Schalke, can you see Jurgen Klopp throwing either of those or both of them straight in for this, which is going to be a huge game for them?
2: Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe tonight we'll see them both partner for the first time, and maybe just have like one game to sell in. Uh, I think. I think Brighton probably. You, you, with how Liverpool have been going, they've kind of relied on the forward line to produce and just makeshift at the back. So maybe it'll be the case of that again tonight while them two settle in ready for for Saturday or Sunday's clash, probably Sunday with, with the, the, the the magnitude of the game and Sky's schedule. Um, I think it's probably come at a good time that them two come in because they need somebody that's more just, just in their position to be able to handle with City, but it just depends who City is going to have because obviously they're going to miss Kevin De Bruyne. Now we've talked about Liverpool's injuries. City have missed a couple of key players throughout the season, but people, you know, like Foden, they've they've all stepped up in in their place, and um, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Um, I, I I probably would back City to to get the job done and make Anfield their the second loss in, in three games, depending on tonight's results, because you never know, a pot of ball is, uh, is, is actually surprising at times.
1: It's it's good that it's key for Liverpool that they've got Salah going again, the league's top scorer, and he was brilliant against West Ham, so that's going to be big for them. I like Curtis Jones as well, when he came on this, in the second half against West Ham, he looked good, he set up, set up that goal for Salah, so... It's good. It's good for them that they've got him going. They needed to get him going to to get back in form, and also, of course, Man City's terrible record at Anfield. Hopefully, they'll have that going for them as well, and it'll be a a tight game.
0: Well, you're quite right to mention that Salah goal at West Ham. Sam, what a what a goal that was! Um, Beautiful, isn't it? That that's another one I, I mentioned. Maybe don't go and watch the tackle from the Southampton player. If you haven't seen the Salah goal, you need to that's see that. that for, Get yourself onto YouTube and watch it. Um, Devin, you said there you think City might edge it. Can I push you for a specific prediction before we get on with the quiz?
1: I'm going
0: three-one
2: man, City. Ooh.
0: Sam, what do you reckon?
1: I reckon another clean sheet for say 1-0. Wow, and
0: I'm Harry, I'm
1: gonna
3: go for a rather dull one-one
1: draw.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a draw too, but I think it'll be an entertaining one. I reckon 2-2, two, two, um, which will, will be rare for City. Second. I don't think City have conceded two in many games this year at all. No. Um, but uh, we will come back to any of those if if any of us get it right. You know, Devon was quick to remind us on the podcast following <laughs> that nil-nil before that he had got it bang on um, and he earned a bit of money from it too, fair play. Um so yeah, we will come back to those should there be a need to in next week's show. But we've we come towards the end of the podcast now. Um, and I'm going to hand over again to Sam for round number five of his quiz. I've got no idea what this week's round is on, Sam. So uh, over to you.
1: Thank you, George. We have discussed the, the recent deadline day today and it's all about deadline deals and things like that today. Wow.
0: I had, a, I had a feeling that that might be, oh, that might be the avenue you go down.
1: There we
0: go. You're right. All set up, ready to go when you are.
1: Yes, let's do that.
0: You have five questions again. Five
1: questions, so there you yeah, a couple bonus points, things like that thrown in as always.
0: Okay, we'll have a bonus point when you're ready.
1: Question number one. Who holds the record for the most expensive deadline day transfer in the Premier League, mm-hmm. August or January? Okay. And there is a bonus point if you can get the fee, but that's... obviously. Mm. Uh,
0: that's difficult, you know.
2: It's a 50-50. Um, just on deadline day.
1: On deadline yeah. day, August or January.
2: I'm uh, gonna we'll have to go the traditional answer, I think.
0: I'm struggling to think of a, a less obvious one. I don't. I don't, I reckon we might have the same person in mind, Devon.
2: But um, we'll yeah, it, like, it was a big transfer in Ireland to uh, to Norwich this <laughs> yeah, one day.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure an island will get a game, to be
2: honest. Sorry. Max <laughs> someone's
1: too good, I'm just saying. <laughs> Number two, which of the following players signed for the name club twice on two separate deadline days? So we've got four options. We've got A, Jermaine Defoe with Tottenham, B, Thierry Henry with Arsenal, C, David Luiz at Chelsea, or D, Peter Crouch with Portsmouth? That's a
3: good question. Oh. oh ooh,
0: ooh, ooh,
1: ooh.
0: What was what was option B again?
1: B was Thierry Henry and Arsenal.
2: Uh, what on deadline day or just?
1: Deadline day. Two separate deadline days. Signed for the same club.
0: Um. Okay. I've gone with a guess. Good question. Good question. Good question. I don't think Niall Hickman will be watching there. I'm ready for three when you are.
1: Okay. I think this is a, a slightly easier one. Which club did David Beckham sign for on deadline day in 2013?
2: Would that have been too
1: early, though.
0: Got an answer? Yeah, I've got so yeah.
1: Number four Liverpool signed Andy Carroll for 35 million on deadline day. He made 58 appearances, but how many goals did he score for Liverpool? And I'm saying closest gets the point.
0: Is this oh. 58 um, Premier Old League Coms. appearances? No, Old Old Coms. Coms. Okay. Um, oh, all
3: competitions. Mm. Yeah.
1: 58 appearances. How many goals? Okay.
3: Was this not too much. I'm going to go. Uh,
2: my head can't comprehend this last question because I feel like it's going to be a proper cluster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> go on, Sam.
2: Okay.
1: Question number five. Who was the West Ham manager when Carlos Tevez and Mascherano joined? On deadline day in 2006, and what team did they join from? Oh mm.
0: no, I think I know the manager. No, is it him? <laughs> oh. uh, oh, I've, I've, another name has just entered my head, which has thrown me off. Um. We're gonna get go, We're just, just gonna go with
2: it. What was it then? I actually can't think of any managers pre two thousand and nine. Oh, oh,
1: epiphany. I've
0: got no idea on. I've got no idea on the club. I've just taken a punt. Oh, you're not allowed to say that on here, George. <laughs> Have fun. I'm ready when you are, Sam. I don't know about the other guys.
1: Time for the answers. Who holds the most expensive deadline day transfer in the Premier League on on deadline day, either August or January? We'll go Devon first.
2: I've gone really obvious because I really can't think. Um, I've gone Fernando Torres, 50 Um, million.
1: Torres, 50 mil. George.
0: Yeah, I've gone with the same. Unfortunately, although oh, I'm not, as well. not confident by any stretch.
3: Yes. I, mean, I went. I went January, sixty-two million. I can't, I was. not too sure. Who's, who's the player? I thought
1: he said fee. Oh, no,
2: um, who's,
1: who's
3: the that January
2: has been very good. I thought That was a that Ozil? was a bonus
1: point. Was it Özil? Yeah. Is Özil your pick? Yeah, we'll go Özil. Unfortunately, none of you were right. It was an Arsenal player. It was a Aubameyang. Oh, Aubameyang.
2: That's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. What month was
1: it? It was 56 million in, in ah. January, I think. So, so I, yeah.
3: get, I get one point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you a point. Go on. 56 million.
3: No, because he said the month. He said which one? He said, he
1: said month or January or August.
2: No, I said who
1: holds the record for the most expensive no. transfer.
2: I'm putting it this, this is going to the quizzing board I am not having that
0: <laughs> alright then, then, let's let's just move on shall we let's, oh no, you no meant points, sorry, no sorry I thought no you meant the, when
3: you said either January or August I thought you meant is it the month of January or August no, I was looking for
1: a player and then uh,
0: yeah, I, so thing, I can understand why you might have thought that Harry that's fair enough
1: I'm not, not awarding any points, points.
0: yeah then never mind yeah. but move, move on to number two Sam go on
1: which of the following players signed for the name club twice on two separate deadline days? And I'll go to George. Boys,
0: I um, went with I went with Henri on this Henri one. Henri
1: and Arsenal. Uh, Harry, I went the same as George. I went with Henri Henry. as well. And Devin.
2: I made it an extremely exciting round. Thierry Henri.
1: <laughs> You've all gone the same. You've all gone wrong again. Oh, I'm afraid it was bad. David Louise. Oh, it? Oh, from Benfica
0: oh, oh. and
1: then PSG. That was I, and Chelsea. I, I
2: can't remember. I can remember. I, I remember him signing from Benfica on deadline day. Yeah. Like I, I thought he signed from PSG in, well. in January. Uh, in, in well, obviously, in uh, in summer.
1: Both deadline day. Darn it! We should all get the next one though, eh? hopefully. Please Hopefully, remember. number three. Who did David Beckham sign for on deadline day in 2013? George.
0: I'm actually a bit nervous about this. I've got. PSG.
1: Who's Devon gone for?
2: I've also gone for PSG.
1: PSG and Harry. Yeah, PSG. PSG, you're all right. I between AC. His final club.
0: I almost I thought it was too late, 2013. I thought he would have retired around then. It, it was. Mate, was, he was actually, only, it was only a couple of months. Yeah, it was only, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, he was only yeah, a
2: few months, I suppose, yeah. I'll, I'll contrary to that, I'm thinking he retired in 2014 or 2015. So I was thinking AC Milan originally when he went on loan. Yeah.
1: I think he like donated all his wages to charity as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, um, because he
2: hadn't made enough.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, that's such a big thing for him, I'm sure.
2: I mean, just think of all the aftershave and and deodorant we get from David Beckham's line at Christmas. So <laughs> we should know by now.
1: Question number four: Liverpool signed Andy Cowell for 35 million on deadline date. He made 58 appearances, but how many goals did he score, Devin? I've gone for eight. He's gone
2: eight.
3: Eight. There we go. <laughs> just every answer. I was, I was about to put 19, but I went 16
0: instead. Went 16. I'm worried I've gone a bit high. I've got 18.
1: Please don't
3: be 19.
1: You have gone a bit high. I think it's, it's Devon with the point. You've got 11 in 58.
0: That is that it? Jesus. Yeah.
1: Not great for a British record fee at the time.
0: Yeah, the, the fee no, no, no. they paid, I remember it being baffling. Yeah.
2: It's mad that people were thinking that Andy Carroll was going to be more, better than Luis Suarez in hindsight.
1: Yeah, well, they signed Suarez for less. I think they only paid twenty million or something for Suarez. Uh,
2: went it thirty five mil- Oh no, that would count.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, I think they were in the they were in the same press conference, weren't they? And Suarez yeah. was the the minor transfer. Suarez went to Chelsea at the
1: same time. Question number five. Who was the West Ham manager when Carlos Tevez and Mascherano joined on deadline day 2006 and what team did they join from? Uh, Harry, who have you got?
3: Alan Pardew and I went the most obvious up Alan Pardew,
2: up with Bocca Juniors. With these. Devon, I've got Buenos Aires in my head but I've, I've, gone, oh, for, I've gone for Ren, uh, River Plate originally and Alan Pardew so I stuck with what I got, even though I do think it's Buenos uh... George,
0: I was torn between two Allens: um, Kurbishly and Padju. Oh. Um, and He's I went, good. I went for Padju and, uh, oh, and Padju's as well. I'm a bit worried. It's Kervishly, I, I think
2: I'm pretty sure it's... I think is a good shout, yeah. You've
1: gone, you've gone the right, Alan, I can confirm. You've all mm. got the manager right, but it was Corinthians that they
2: joined. Ah, the they came from Brazil?
1: Yeah. I think they only had one season there each, but... I think Te- Tevis started at Boca Juniors, but he, was, he went to
2: Corinthians after that. Ah, uh, interesting. Question. Yes. Can we also mention that Carlos Tevez sent Sheffield United down? We'll just risk <laughs>
0: that off. There you go. You've done. It, you've done it there. You've done it yourself. <laughs> um, I, I you think
1: your moment to shine.
0: Is is Devon the winner this week? Devin is, is the winner.
1: Oh yes. he have got three. And it was so Devon
0: presumably closes the gap. I was on two. Yeah. Have you got two there, Harry as well? Yeah,
3: I got,
2: to, well. I got PSG. I'm, bit, I'm celebrating with a crown on my head this week, just to...
0: it's
1: George in the lead, but only just seventeen. Devin's got fifteen and Harry's got thirteen. Ouch. Yeah. All to play there for. There
0: we still, go. All still all to play for. Um but yeah, as Devon mentioned there, we were a bit concerned again, a few technical issues before this with a Massive buzzing noise giving us earache. But um, we got it done. There. And it's just under, just under an hour. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, as always, I'm going to tell you again, follow us on Twitter. Um, we post all of our content on there that goes out. Um, whether you're listening on YouTube or Spotify, thank you. Let us know. Send questions in. Send topics in that you want us to answer. This week, I feel like it's been a, like a bit of a whistle-stop tour. We wanted to cram a lot in. Um, we're on Facebook as well, I didn't mention that, but you know we're on Facebook, you know that anyway, um, we'll be back next week hopefully, Southampton Harry, hopefully you, you've got a win under your belts and it's looking a bit brighter hopefully, next week so. Uh, hopefully, not just hopefully so hampton. not just Southampton hopefully <laughs> well, exactly, maybe Mr., Mr John Lewis will turn up for the mighty <sighs> too and uh, we'll I desperately need Norwich to get a result at the Liberty on Friday night, too. That should be a big game. But um, I've rambled on for too long now. And Wednesday's
2: got Millwall, don't forget
0: us. And Wednesday, yeah, okay. and Wednesday. We've covered all of our teams. Um, But we will say cheerio and see you next week. So, see you in a bit.